with multifamily real estate is that there's the choice you make today, but you have to have the pattern of the progress to be able to have the structure to sustain, to carry through as you go through this journey. Today, I've got a special guest. He is a marathon runner. He is a real estate investor, and he'll be able to help us to understand the thought process on how you can apply the principles of being a marathon runner, being an athlete, into being in multifamily real estate and going for a law hall. Additionally, he's also an author, and he authored a book with his wife, Peely, uh, off the book, How to Master a Rich, a Fit Rich Life in 15 Days, which is a good book. I Hopefully, you guys check it out. I'll leave the link in the description to that as well. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Jason Yerusi. Jason, how are you, man? I'm great. I'm excited to be here. Fantastic. Listen, I, I am honored for you to come on such a tiny podcast uh, and bless us with your presence. <laughs> I'm looking forward to get into this. Um, I really wanted us to talk about your experience, not just as a marathon runner, but as a real estate investor as well, because what I think most people don't see is the hard times that come along with being a real estate investor, particularly when you're first started. So for this today's podcast, this one's really mainly about helping people get over that hump where they're trying to figure out and they don't know what to do. Um, but before we start, I want to make sure there was nothing I missed in your bio. Um, I'm sure we could go about the kids. Maybe we could talk about the kids. I, I don't know. Maybe more running stuff. I don't know. Where do you want to go? Sure. Well, listen, I'm excited to be here and, and, and no show is small. You're adding a ton of value. And if I can just look behind you and all those books I see in the shelf, I know you've put in the time and the effort here to really come out here and provide a ton of value to your listeners. So thank it. you so much for having me on. I'm Jason Yerusi of Yerusi Holdings. Um, we're here uh, just south of uh, Nashville in Tennessee. I uh, moved down here about two years ago uh, with my wife and my three kids. Uh, we do invest in multifamily real estate. We've acquired a little over 2,300 units uh, since 2007. It's about um, in the 20s and the number of transactions now. And of those transactions, of those apartment buildings we've brought, we've now sold, um, gone full cycle on 12 of them. Uh, nice mention here. I do have my wife, Peely, who is my partner here at Yerusi Holdings. We focus on repositioning underperforming assets, mainly in the southeast, targeted between Louisville, Kentucky, Nashville, Tennessee, and Decatur, Georgia. Nice. That's well, that 94 units has come a long way. I'll tell you that. So let's uh, okay. <laughs> let's hop into it, Jason. So you're a Jersey kid, um, an Italian background, used to play football. Let's start right where I think it's really crucial. How did you get into the, the real estate part of it in your journey? Because coming from football, from Jersey, yeah. from doing all the amazing things you do, Real estate seemed like a, that's a weird transition, if that makes sense. You know, it's going to get even more um, indirect. And so, so we'll, we'll go <laughs> okay. on this journey here. But, but thank you for bringing up you know, the, the, the um, football. You know, it's interesting as, as we grow and as, as we come into age, you know, we, our identity gets set on what we do or what we've done, right? And right. many times it's hard to break from that identity, even if it's the, the right thing to do, because that identity becomes us, right? Instead of us being the person, the identity of what we do, our job or our task identifies who we are, right? We get stuck in that, that path. And that path is, is hard to break out of, right? And so there's many 
listeners here today um, probably trying to either you know get into their next part of real estate or just break into real estate and and it's the word real estate that's keeping them on the sideline because they've been known in some identity and for us um, you know Peely my wife and myself we met in New York City back in 2003 um, at that time we were working in a lot of restaurants and bars and a number of different things I had opened a open and sold a brewery open uh, restaurants uh, bars had done a lot on that stage um, Hurricane Sandy happened um, you know 2011 2012 and um, was a big storm here on the East Coast and so I was still living in New York City at the time with Peely my brother Ryan was working for me at the time um, at the bars and restaurants I had and lo and behold um, that storm just crushed uh, the East Coast right hundreds of thousands of homes flooded out yeah. hundreds of thousands of homes uh, people were displaced and my father um, had a construct has a construction company uh, in New Jersey that construction company lifts and moves houses. That's what he's done um, over four, four decades now. So lifting and moving houses predominantly um, for a number of different reasons. It could be he could move a house for historical reasons, for setbacks, uh, and for flooding. So his business that would maybe do you know 10 to 12 projects a year overnight goes to about a thousand calls any and every day. And wow. it just went in bonkers. It went crazy. So at that time, my brother and I said to each other, you know what, let's let's go out, let's help dad really take the business to where he, he never thought it would go, right? So we went out there, started helping dad. It was great. And um, ideally, it was never... I, a, a path in my mind. It's a, it wasn't an easy business, wasn't a point, but it was great for a few years to help dad. Well, Peely and myself, you know, at that time, um, we're a couple. Uh, we She is pregnant with our first kiddo. And on that, we were so busy with the construction. You know, if there was uh, 25 hours in a day, eight days in a week, we could have used it. But we kept asking, you know, we, we got to find a way to get our day and our time back because we're being run by the clock, by the job. And here we are, you know, bringing our first kiddo into the world here. And we want to be able to choose how we could run our day. So we thought what was logical was to do real estate, right? It was that term that we heard, but we didn't know what that meant. So we did what we thought was right. She went out pregnant to get her real estate license and we started flipping and wholesaling homes. Okay. So we started doing that and having good success. But what we found pretty quickly here was that we had just added on a lot of activity on top of the business we already have with the construction. And we did that for some time to grow us into a role here where we learned how to do it. But we were doing it fine, but it was just taking away more of our time. Well, that led us to investing out of state. We had met someone who was doing this, investing into small rentals. Um, and that was the aha moment where we could take back our time and start dictating our journey. And doing that for two and three units, we, we discovered the opportunity to do it, but also understood that it wasn't going to be uh, scalable. So we sold those off, learned from some other people that were doing large multifamily. We just started listening to podcasts just like yours, your show here, learning how they were doing it, started mimicking the practices they were doing to go out there and find finance, raise capital, and buy these buildings. And went from those two and three units to that 94-unit acquisition in Louisville, Kentucky. And that was the first of, of the many we've now done leading up today, all the way back in 2017. Right. Yeah, you've done a ton uh, based on those numbers you gave a little bit earlier. You've done a whole lot, and that's awesome. So let's link in the, the, the marathon running part. How did you get into the ultra marathon world? Because I know you're big in CrossFit. Um, I know you, you know, at some point you got a little bit sick, like you said, of the just mundane and the constantly having to give your time to that one else. But ultra yeah. running, Jesus. I mean, outside of the Goggins and the... Uh, the David, uh, the Cameron Haynes and the folks like that, like that's a lot. So how did you get into that multi, not sorry, that multifamily, but the ultra running marathon stuff? 
So back in 2009, I ran the New York City Marathon. That was my first event that I had ran on that scale. I was never a runner before. I just decided I was what I was going to do because I was just looking for some other activity outside of just going to the gym. You know, right. friends at that time were in New York City. Most people weren't out there, you know, going to play basketball or doing anything else anymore, right? So I found running and it became this great thing to be able to settle my mind. And it really was a creative path for me. I would go out there, run five or six miles, and it allowed me to really put a lot of thinking time aside. And you could listen to Audible or do other things here to, to fill that gap. Well, yeah. it was something I've done a ton. I've done dozens and dozens of uh, marathons now, but came up, I think at that same time, about 2017, 2018, I discovered the world of ultra running. And that was my first experience of seeing it. And I was like, well, that is just massively interesting. Right. So again, didn't know what I didn't know. So dove into a 50 mile race in Ithaca, New York, uh, back in, I think, 2018. And that was my first of, of these races. Now I run a 50 and a couple hundreds and a couple other long races in between here. Uh, to get into the ultra uh, space. And what I find is that it's always a test, right? It's a test of your body, but it's also a test in your mind because as you go through a day and you have different patterns of weather, you have different um, times of the day, you know, night, day, sometimes back to night, right? You, you have to discover within yourself how far you can go, but also have the pace to be able to continue on. And that's so much of, a, of anything we can do in our journey, even with multifamily real estate, is that there's the choice you make today, but you have to have the pattern of the progress to be able to have the structure to sustain, to carry through right. as you go through this journey. You know, multifamily investing is... Um, it's, it's a great, great, great investment vehicle. And there's so many opportunities to it, but you have to have patience and persistence. Because if you dictate from your path in many ways, um, there's going to be some unforeseen circumstances that you have to make sure you're dialed in to put yourself, your investors, and your investment in the best place going. The similarities between two, and we'll go down a few of them, but one, I feel like there's stages, just like with any other sport. There's certain things you're going to do to get yourself in the path. Uh, I play a lot of soccer, so in soccer, it's training, it's a game plan, then it's execution on the pitch. Uh, for football, I know it's exactly the same. It's a lot of training. you got to go through the playbook. You're going to run the plays over and over again until you throw up, and then you're going to execute in the game. So with marathon running, how was that preparation, and how did you translate some of those preparation techniques into your multifamily preparation? You know, we're, we're only as good as our mindset. Mm. And each and every day we have to wake up and regardless of what we are and where we are, we have to now go through ourselves first before we can take on the day. So each and every day we wake up and it's our mind that's our first piece of the puzzle that we have to come in and control. Founds that with marathons, you could do some 20-mile races, 22-mile races, and, and kind of expose yourself and prepare. But going into a 100-mile race, it wasn't like I was going to come out there and be able to run a couple 80-mile you know, prep races. Right. So my thought was, well, how can I do this? And how can I use this in each and every day? Well, I said, I'm going to get up each and every day. And I did this for about a straight year and run six miles. And I will do this each and every day. And that's going to be my minimum. So each and every day, I'm going to run six miles. And it doesn't matter if I don't feel good. I'm sick. It's cold. It's rainy. It's snowy. It's a thousand degrees. It just I'm going to do that each and every day. And lo and behold, I did. But what that taught me is that it's never the perfect time. The right time is now. No matter how you're feeling, there's never going to be that perfect moment where you're going to say, today's the day for me to go out there and learn how to invest or, or start to underwrite or start to reach out for contacts and take action. Right now is right. the best time. And tomorrow's the next best time, but today is the best time. And so was yesterday, right? So you have to do this consistently because it allows you to show up when you don't feel like it. And that's the recipe for a successful life is putting yourself in a position to go out there and take action that is going to provide for you into the future mm -hmm. now. 
So many times we wait for that pinnacle moment, we wait for that ideal moment, and then we're impatient because we're not prepared for it. And then when we don't have the right results, we quit very quickly because it's like the New Year's resolution. Like you go out there, you haven't worked out in, in a year, and you say, well, this year I'm gonna um, start working out January 1st, and I'm gonna lose 60 pounds in two months. And lo and behold, the first day you go to the gym, uh, you burn yourself out, and then you can't work out for two weeks, and then now there goes your plan, right? Because we haven't put ourselves to the test to do little bits of action steps throughout. So the 100 mile race, what I found is that if, if I, I hadn't done a 100 mile race when I went into the race, if I had told myself, well, today I'm gonna do 100 miles, well, that would put my mind in a place where you've never done that before. How do you know you can do that? Why do you know that? It would give you all those reasons you could fail. Like, oh, today I'm gonna buy a 200 unit apartment building, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I need to now raise you know, uh, $17 million, $18 million, $15 million. When you think about that, if you've never done that before, you never raised, you know, never had one conversation with an investor, you're gonna tell yourself all the reasons that you won't be able to do it. But if you go out with a goal and you say, okay, well, I've run all those six mile days, right? What if I just run my first six miles and just get to the drink station? Just let's see where I get there. Let's just figure it out. Right. And then when I get to that next that aid station, let me just see if I can just, you know, go to the next one and then the next one and then the next one. And then it might be, let me run to the bridge or let me run to the river or let me run another 300 steps and just see how I feel. And like, I'll just make a choice again when I get there. And I would do that and do that and do that. And lo and behold, over the course of 100 miles, I've just run a bunch of mini races to the point of things that I could actually control and get to and create wins in my day and wins in my journey that I turn around and look behind me and it's now 100 miles complete. And that's what you can do in multifamily. If you go out there and set actionable tasks to put yourself in a position to create a winning environment that you can build on, it gives you the confidence to carry forward. Right. So it could be that, you know, today I'm going to listen to Oliver Parrish. I'm going to sit, jump in here. I'm going to learn a lot about multifamily investing. I'm going to learn one thing that I can take action upon, uh, like going out there and seeing a, looking at markets that maybe could be great places for, my, for me to invest. Then from there, I can make a list of brokers in that market. And from there, I get set up um, an idea of, of seeing what kind of investments they typically offer to see if that's an investment vehicle that I want to go after. And then I can make a list of contacts and start reaching out to them to just start putting myself on the map. So when I do get familiar from with the stance of underwriting, I can go back to them to have them start sending me investments. But those were five things you could do right there that creates a winning journey that's on your way to buying a 50 unit, 100 unit, 200 unit, but it's not putting you on the sideline or saying, well, I got to buy this 200 unit. Oh man, it's going to be tough to do. Right. Now you start creating a winning journey. And that winning journey gives you the confidence to take one more step and say, well, if I just take one more step, let me just see where I get. It will give me better questions to get better answers, to give me better results. Those are um, those are excellent steps, Jason. Those are really, really good steps because it, it's once you break it up, it's the old saying, you can't eat an elephant in a whole bite. Right. So you take it piece by piece. So everything you said makes absolute sense. Here's a question, though. In the current society we live in is such a I need it now. I have to have it now. A fast paced society. And then on top of that, you've got people who are real estate investing who are getting started or even have been in for four or five years and aren't getting to places where they see somebody else who's done it on, let's say, Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever. Hey, I've done great on this. I akin that to being passed in a race. When those kind of things happen to you, how do you handle that? How do you address that? How do you change your mindset in the moment of that competition to handle that adversary adversity that becomes just you? 
Sure. You know, when you think about these long races and maybe, maybe contrary to soccer, but same thing as soccer here is that, like, you know, you can, you, there's, there's others to compete in, but again, you're competing at yourself, right? Have you improved yourself today and added value to yourself? And so right. one of the killers in a marathon is to set the pace by others' pace, right? Typically when a marathon first starts, everybody hits out of the gate here like they're, like they're sprinting 100 meters. Right. And then you see a bunch of people fall off a mile three, five and seven because they just set themselves up for a structure they can't compare. Right. Right. And so they can't they can't uh, continue on that. Now, same thing for multifamily. Right. If you're comparing yourself to others, why? Right. There's a stoic philosophy that says, listen, um, we, you know, the, the, the person we love the most is us. However, we put so much emphasis on what other people say. Right. And so we put so much on, on what others do. You're here for the journey to buy multifamily. It's not going to be, hey, I brought this apartment today. My life has changed forever. I'll never have to do anything again. Right. This is just one monumental moment in your life. Right. Here it is today. You're doing a step. And when you get to the journey, not everybody's journey is going to be like kind. Right. It's one person's going to do one thing. Another person's going to do another thing. And we're going to have different results. And whether one gets there in one month or three months or seven months, we're all getting to the journey. The only way you fail is if you stop. And if you continue to take these steps, maybe someone else was in the right time at the right place, fine, right? If they were prepared for it, they can call that luck, but they can say they were prepared for it. Right. We have to take steps to be prepared. With our uh, seven-figure multifamily mastermind that we have, we have about 75 businesses in it. And where I see the ones who get the quickest results, it's because they follow a plan to take bite-sized chunks like you spoke about instead of trying to take this shocking approach where everything seems great. Every shiny object looks good, but it takes them weeks and months to figure out if they're in the right spot, the wrong spot, and they, they go down a bunch of rabbit holes because they can't stay focused. Right. Focus is a very tough thing to do. But that's why results come quick is because when you stay hyper-focused, it keeps you on the path. Where you find in real estate that can set you aside is that there's always another thing that sounds awesome. Right. You want to do Airbnb, you want to do tax liens, you want to do uh, flipping, you want to do long-term flipping, you want to do long-term buy and hold, you want to do short-term buy and hold, you know, you, <laughs> you want to do wholesaling, like, yeah. what do you want to <laughs> do this week? It's a small right? Story. You can right. do anything, anything and everything you want, but they're all the right or wrong choice depending on how you do that and use that in your real estate journey. That's, you know what, what's funny is I experienced that myself when starting real estate, cause I'm not that far into it. I've done a 16 unit, done a flip. I've bought a couple of properties yeah, awesome. sold, right? And it's yeah. great, but I can tell you when I first started and I started in the wholesaling as well and I'm touring properties, I mean, places are abandoned. I got attacked by a raccoon once. Mm -hmm. I'm out here running around like a madman with my head cut off. And I stopped and I thought about it and I'm like, oh, well, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. But until I said, all right, you know what, I'm going to really dive into this wholesaling thing, see if I can figure it out. If not, within a certain amount of time, I'll try something new. That worked yeah. better for me than looking at the Airbnb, looking at the hotels, looking at all this stuff. So I say that to say that's excellent advice. That is something that I wish I had known a little bit more from the people who were teaching me at that time. Um, with that said, anyway, you know, uh, go ahead. what's powerful about that is that you need those discoveries to make you and help you on where you went, right? Like, so could I go back and say, Hey, I could have jumped, I could jump over my um, wholesaling, my flipping. Yeah, sure. I could, right. but I needed those lessons. And I, I may not have been prepared to be on the journey to buy large apartment buildings at that time because I needed to prepare myself in that light with those questions, right? right? So that journey is important. It's just choosing the journey. It's choosing one destination because you're saying, well, I don't know, should I do flipping or wholesaling? 
I don't know. But why don't you do one of them and figure out if you like it? Right. And, and if you don't like it, at least you got rid of one. And now you can go on to the next one, right? right. So I, I don't know the journey, but you have to pick something to start on something, some actual task and give it, like you said, you know, let me give it whatever you did, 90 days, um, you know, 180 days and truly commit to it. And then from that, you'll learn a ton of lessons and it will give you the guidance and, and better questions to get better results. Oh, this is great. Wholesaling is great. I'm going to stay here. Ah, oh, you know, I don't like wholesaling. Maybe I'm going to go, you know, start buying buying uh, apartment buildings or rentals. Okay, great. Let me try that. Maybe that's not the right path. Okay, now I've learned that lesson. Let me try the next one. So sometimes it's not choosing the perfect path. It's eliminating ones that are in front of you that may be perfect, but you need to try it to figure out if it is or it isn't. Right. I know one thing you talk about often is, and you and Peely as well, talk about, not just impacting your own family, not just impacting your own generations, but impacting those around you and the generations of their family. Up to this point, what has been your most impactful moment to you when someone comes to you and says, hey, Jason, this happened? What has been that that one thing from the mastermind, from the book or what have you that has kind of put you and made you like, oh, I, I really I've really done some good? You know, it, it, we see it a lot, right? The mastermind, the meetups, like we just hear people that we, we give a step and they go and take that step and it right. leads them into a new direction that is helpful to them and their family, right? Because that's everything. If you can Absolutely. say, listen, like we've done this, you can do this, right? Here's what we did. Take these steps, go on your journey using these steps and will help you to where you want to go. And when people say, you know, I did that, and it's made a huge change for me and my family. And that's the most powerful piece when you can hear that, right? We just actually had a uh, two-day event here with our group. And there's so many of those stories in there where people have taken the step and said, okay, I am on the journey now. And I see a huge change. We can see a huge change in them because before they came with the limiting belief that, that they were on the outside, right? They couldn't do this. There was all these reasons why they didn't know how or, or they, you know, their, other, their friends or their families said, oh, they wouldn't be able to succeed. And then they start taking actual steps. And now people start seeing those steps and they start believing in themselves because they're doing it, right? Because they're creating things that they have now created wins at. Instead of telling themselves they can't, they're now saying, well, well yeah, I, I can do this. Let me take one more step. Let me see where I go. I am doing this and then they're buying comp it's it's the full cycle right you see all that happen you say wow would those kind of things happen not just the impact like you said that you have on that person but the trickle down effect the tertiary effect if you will is after you've impacted them they impact somebody else and that ball keeps on rolling down the line so that's um yeah 100%. that's pretty cool there is an unseen part of the ultra marathon running that i think that's important that actually translate to multifamily. And that's the team that you have to select when it comes to your break station. Who's uh, if you have a pace person, whoever's doing the pace or whoever's watching your back or taking care of your stuff, getting it from point A to point B. How do you go about selecting a team for your ultra marathon action? And then how does that translate to the multifamily space? Sure. So funny enough, my team at these races has been my wife, Peely, and my kids. My kids will go out there and, and they'll be out there for a couple of hours and they'll go back to the hotel. And so a lot of this journey is surrounded by, by the people who run out these event staffs and are at these aid stations. And the energy there is just one of those things you can build upon. So right. like anything, my wife um, has been an instrumental uh person in my life, not only in our personal life, but in our professional life, because we, we have a good energy to be able to combo the direction we both have to go. 
Right. I'm more fast moving. I'm more quick reacting. I'm more taking um, um, educated risks. And she's more on the components of, of, of making sure we're cautious in our approach and giving guidance to our approach and making sure we've thought of all angles. And many times that's what you need. You need one person in one direction, the other person in, in another direction. There's one person pushing or another person pulling here. And you have that perfect clarity that we're going to make a decision to go forward. But have we thought about the path that needed to go down that could put us in the best position to be on the path that we want to be in? And so with, with uh, ultra uh, running, really, it comes down that um, typically if I'm going to run um, really an ultra, say it's 100, 100 miles, I may see them every 25 miles. And within those 25 miles, uh, maybe it'll be some food or it'll be a change of closing, right? And then, but it's beyond that. It's also the energy you get from seeing ones that care for you. And they're out there with you on this journey. So although I'm running it, they're there in support and they're part of the race, right? Because they come here, they're happy. You know, the kids, uh, most of the time, they're, they're eight, six, and four now, but they were seven, five, and three, six, four, and two through these journeys. So they, 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 they're there, but I don't think they, they know they, they, the large amount of running that's being done. Right. But they're there to witness it and to take part of it. And they're also there just to be kids, right? They give me the energy that are kids because they're excited to see me, right? And that helps you carry on as you go through these races and, and things change in your mind and your body throughout. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's nothing like having your kids cheer you on in the middle of a run, in a little sport or what mm -hmm. have you. That'll push you to the next level every time. You talked about, Jason, a second ago, you talked about your speed, kind of the yin to the yang between you and Peely. Um, I know something that like I've read in the book, of course, and I've heard you talk about before, as well as Peely is the Aloha spirit for you with a, a, such a fast paced moving guy. What was that transition like figuring out, OK, how does this Aloha thing work for me as I see yeah. it in Peely and then as I apply it to what I do? Because I, I feel like that's something I also translate again into your run. You're more calm. You're more um, not necessarily stoic, but calm and peaceful about the pain that you're going through because Aloha, that's really what the Aloha spirit is a lot about. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's a great direction where, where we, we find our pace with each other and noting that Peely and I have known each other and worked in all these different ways before we were actually a couple. Right. We learned how to work together before we learned how to be a couple together. And so in the work environment, we, we both have different facets, right? Um, I'm one to go through a number of different things very quickly. Her uh, Peely focuses on one thing. And if I take her off task by giving her a whole plate of things, I know that I'm not going to get the optimal result from her. So I have to make sure that I'm, I'm being targeted in the approach with what I want to bring to the discussion to make sure we get the best results for her. On the other way here, um, she's going to come back with great feedback, right? And so her, I value her feedback. So I have to make sure not to ask the question and to be so quick to give the answer to the question I just asked her. And that happened in a lot of our learning lessons was that is that I would ask the question and then while she is taking it in to give me the great answer I'm going to get, I will go and answer it, right? And now she's off thinking about what I just said on the answer before and it dictates her response to me. Right. So that as a couple and as, as business partners is one of the best things is to understand the dynamics of how you both work, understand how you can prepare, even if it's not exactly how you do it. That's why you're partners, right? You don't want someone who's exactly the same as you because then you're not both accomplishing the best tax forward because you're both overlapping in what you're doing and not then doing what needs to be done. Mm. Communication is key in any and every relationship. I tell you what, that's, uh, that's right. That's pretty good, Jason. Yeah. Um, before we get into the more fun part of the interview, I wanted to hear from you what I call troop to task. And what troop to task is, it's a military term um, where 
what happens is we give a soldier or sailor or seaman or whatever it might be one task they can do right now to execute for a bigger mission. What's one thing someone can do right now to get started in the multifamily way? Ideally, ask themselves if they're in a market that they can invest in or if they need to look outside to another market. Right. So it depends what they want. But but many markets we moved away from New Jersey and even while we were in New Jersey, started investing in other markets. Um, right. Ideally, because uh, the price per pound was better. Returns were better. It was more serving to the B.C. community, uh, more uh, landlord friendly state laws, uh, better um, really price per return. And things like taxes and utilities and infrastructure wasn't so um, so high or old like we found in New Jersey. So is your market one you want to be investing in? Right. And if you're already investing in your market doing flipping and wholesaling, then you should double down on, on the presence you've already built and look at your market to make sure that it's not right if you're saying it's not right. Because many times you can be in a great market, but then you think the grass is green over the hill. So ask yourself, are you in the right market or do you need to start learning how to evaluate other markets to invest in? I like it. I like it. That's fantastic advice. So for anybody who's listening, go back and listen to Jason talk about the five things. And before that, Let's make sure you're in the right place to invest and it's after actually getting after something you want to get after. If you can't invest in multifamily in that area, you want to do multifamily, go outside. If you can't figure out how to go outside and you're okay with investing in small, invest small. Residential is okay too. Everybody has a different path. Everybody has a different route. You can find yours. You just got to take a look. All right, Jason, let's do the hot seat. This is a new section of the show, ladies and gentlemen, where I'm going to ask Jason some fun questions and give you guys the opportunity to understand who Jason is and maybe know a little bit more about Jason. So when you go read a book, you have a little context to the guy he is, the kind of person. He's not just a marathon runner, a father. He's also a cool dude. So with that, first question, Jason, what simple task are you surprisingly bad at? Uh, focus. I, I'm great at focusing when that time comes, but there's certain events that I, I need to put my focus on and I will tr- I will do three or four tasks at the same time. Right. And so that makes mm. you get that task done slower. I have the exact same problem. Uh, <laughs> what jeopardy category would you get a hundred percent of the questions? Correct. Oh man. That's a great question. Uh, that's a great question. I, I'm gonna have to say uh, say <laughs> that. That's a great question. Let's think. Um, I don't know if history would be the one. Mm. So I, mathematics might be mine. If there's a okay. mathematics category, I'm pretty pretty strong in mathematics. Okay, I like it. Don't worry. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask any math questions. You're good. You're safe for now. Nah, you're good. You're good. <laughs> but uh, I'm lucky. I, I have quick quick take on math. But that that's a great question. What have you done? I'm uh, sorry. What have you already done for the rest of your life? The last time. You know that's an interesting question. Right, because uh, there, there's many times that I was actually thinking of this question today, actually on, on Saturday, because I heard something that you said, you know, you're doing something in the moment and you, you don't realize it's the last time you ever did it. Right. And yeah. The reference was that like you're playing with your friends, right? You're playing with your friends in middle school and that, that was the last time you guys ever played together. But you didn't know it at the moment. 
right? And there, there were so many of those points. And I think that what I try to do is this to take into account where I'm at with my kids and make sure I'm, I'm enjoying that moment, right? So I, I'm going to learn every, every moment. Like, um, you know, there, there's only so many more of these weekends, right? And that's right. before they, they move out, they move on, they move out, even if they're young, right? It's not like these weekends just go on forever. So this weekend, you know, I don't need to worry about it because I have next weekend, right? So just taking in the moment for where I am today with my kiddos because they, they grow as quick as they possibly can. Right. And on that fact, it goes very fast, just like anything. Yeah, trust me, I know, because my kids are eating me out of house and home right now. Jesus. That's you right. Just, I mean, you can't yep. feed them enough. I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so next question. What do people wrongly assume about you? Oh, I don't listen much, so, so I'm not <laughs> sure. But I, but I, I would probably be that... Uh, I, I am I am very stern in my approach. I come from a, a, a reserved family and just the way they are. So um, I have a sense of humor, but I, I don't show it much. Fair enough. I mean, you've laughed a few times here, so I guess I've I've won there. Um, yeah, but I like good. I like the first part of the question. I I don't listen much, which is it's an excellent answer. <laughs> All right, what is something you enjoy that's not typical for your age group? I mean, I work out every day. Right, so I'm 43. I work out every day, and uh, regardless if I'm tore, sore, tired, mm-hmm. uh, not feeling good, I still work out every day, and it's usually some form of a cardio and then a kettlebell workout, and be pretty intense in the morning, and I do it in the morning. So that that would be uh, that would be commonplace. Um, ultra race, I think you can do them forever, so I don't know so much, but that would be my first opinion is that uh, I'm very dialed in to be diligent in my workflow, and I mm-hmm. can't see that uh, in my workout, and I don't see that stopping. I respect that. I expect you work. I'm assuming you're one of those 4 a.m. workout, wake up kind of guys. Yes, I am. Early early rise. I find that you know your time again. Getting back to the family is that you know you don't want to get up when they're up, right when they're getting up, because you don't want to say, "Hey, I'll see you in two hours." Right? You want to have the time with them when they're there because they they don't know the difference. What's What's really interesting, Jason, is I found that a lot of the people who I have looked at and said, "All right, I want to be on that level of diligence and dedication to what I do." All of them are up four o'clock between four and six. I think are the numbers. Almost every yeah. single one of them, four and six. If it's at a workout, if it's sitting behind the computer doing underwriting, if it's researching the last uh, conversation they had with somebody to make sure they're better on the next one. Always the people are saying, hey, I'm up at four at five o'clock in the morning, knocking that stuff out before the day gets started. And then your family, like yeah. you said. God bless them. Not that we don't love them, but they can take over a day very, very quickly. And as they should, because as yep. a father, like you said, as a husband, as a brother, your family is going to be priority all the time as they should be. So, yeah, yeah we don't have to have the same work day. Just because someone says like nine to five doesn't mean we need to do nine to five, right? We could have many days. We could do three days and someone else's one day, right? Yep. Depending on how you look at it Absolutely. here. But, and that's the approach is how do you maximize your time? So you can use your time accordingly to get the most done. So when you want to take the time to not be doing it because you want to go be with your family that you've already done the tasks that need to be handled. Yeah, this it's, um, it's one thing that I've learned in the military that when they say that the military does more between five and 11 o'clock than most people do in their entire day. That is not a joke. It is 100% true. It's, it's yeah. nuts. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. it's, um, I more than most people do in 30 days. Right. And yeah. so it's, it's <laughs> yeah. a lot, you know? I was, I was but it's, 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 it's true. 
right? Yeah, it, it's, we, we need activity. We need people to take action, go out there and hold themselves responsible. And that's usually one of the first things to go as you grow up is you, you stop holding yourself responsible. Mm, that's very true. That's very true. How do people get a hold of you and to be able to work with you or what have you? What are the outlets that you yeah. like people to reach you out on? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on the show. You can go over to yourusiholdings.com, Y-A-R-U-S-I holdings.com. Um, connect with us there. Reach out to me at Jason at Yerusi Holdings. And on the website, you can find everything about our company, our podcast, Mastermind, and others. Jason, thank you so much again for coming on. I cannot tell you thank how you. much I've actually enjoyed this. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jason Yerusi, remember you're better than you were, but you're not half as good as you're going to be. We'll see you next time.